Welcome to Louisiana Lefty, a podcast about politics and community in Louisiana, where we make the case that the health of the state requires a strong progressive movement fueled by the critical work of organizing on the ground. Our goal is to democratize information, demystify party politics, and empower you to join the mission because victory for Louisiana requires you. I'm your host, Linda Woolard. We're continuing Step Up May on Louisiana Lefty. This week, you'll hear from Step Up Louisiana co-founder, Ben Zucker, who was born to organize and truly brings joy to his movement work. Ben is based in New Orleans, leading Step Up's efforts on economic justice, while his partner, Maria Harmon, who was our guest on our previous episode, heads up their organizing on education justice. If you missed Organizing is Her Superpower with Maria Harmon, Give it a listen to get the full picture of Step Up's work in support of good jobs and good schools for Louisiana. You'll hear over the course of these episodes just how impressed I am by this young organization founded by young leaders. Through public health crises and natural disasters, their members continue to organize on their issues and care for one another, building a community that should be a case study on how to create sustainable change. Ben Zucker, thank you so much for joining me on Louisiana Lefty. Happy to be here. Well, I always start the podcast with how I know my guest. And like one of my very first guests, who we also named our very first organizer of the month, Nama Savage, I believe I met you in the Fight for 15 table meetings that y'all used to have at the First Unitarian Universalist Church of New Orleans. Is that your recollection as well? Yeah, I think so. Up, we would meet in the uh, like break room on the second floor. Back, we'd go in through the Center for Ethical Living, painted doors, and we'd go up in the back and we'd plot and scheme and you know build coalition. And that those were great, great days, great movement building days. Fight for Fifteen was doing some great work, and y'all really built a lot of great organizing out of that space. Yeah. Well, the episode that will be released directly before yours is with another badass woman you've partnered with in organizing, Maria Harmon. Yes. She and I spoke about you forming Step Up Louisiana together. And by the time this comes out, we'll have named Maria our organizer of the month for May. Ooh, Maria. So between her interview, your interview, and our organizer of the month announcement, we're celebrating Step Up Louisiana May here at awesome. Louisiana Lefty. I think that's appropriate because you really inspired the organizer of the month award. I don't know if you're aware of that. I love that I am able to be connected to the organizer of the month. Award. I just think it's so great that you have you know, really embraced on this idea that, you know, organizing be recognized and supported. And everybody who I've talked to who's been recognized has been like, so, you know, excited about it and, you know, talks to me about it every time we connect. And it's, uh, it's been so awesome. Well, it was born out of the fact that you took a bunch of folks to Baton Rouge a few years back when I got an award for organizing from the Louisiana Democratic Party. When I asked you about it, you told me that organizers don't get recognized enough. So when one of us gets recognized, you wanted to be there to support it. <laughs> and that really planted the seed in my mind that we had to rectify that 
that that's a disservice to the profession and the culture and the critical role that organizing plays and all the successes we have in electoral politics and progressive change. I mean, organizer of the decade, pretty epic award to win. <laughs> Thank you. But so for folks who don't know, <laughs> moving along, for folks who don't know uh, or don't follow Louisiana Lefty on social media, that's where we take nominations and present these monthly awards for Organizer of the Month. And we've named some amazing organizers. So I hope folks will check that out. And Ben, you also serve on our Organizer of the Month selection committee. We have a diverse set of folks, mostly young people from across the state, who kibitz every month about who we should recognize based on who's been nominated. And you play an integral role in that as well. So I want to thank you for your service there. Yeah, well, I'm really happy to be with the crew. And it, it, it really keeps me on the lookout for like emerging organizers or, you know, organizers who are having success. And so I hope if you see other folks like that, everyone in podcast world, definitely nominate them. Yes, please. And the last thing I'll say about this is that we surprised you with the organizer of the month oh, award I know. last October. But the reason I wanted to do it in October is because you got married that month. It was so amazing. And the connection for me there, Ben, is that the idea of joy, because you were so joyful about your wedding and you just always bring joy to organizing. You seem to really embrace everything about organizing. You're one of the best advocates for the profession and the lifestyle that I know. And it really makes the sun and the sunny colors of your logo <laughs> feel so appropriate to me. That's so great. Yeah, it, that was so nice to receive the award during my wedding month and everything. And the, it sits right next to my desk at home. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's really special. I'm so glad you're doing this. So let's look at the origin story that led to your great enthusiasm for organizing. What got you interested in politics in the first place? And how did you get into the organizing game? Well, I think that if we're talking first place, first place, it's gotta be my parents. So both of my parents are union organizers and lifelong movement people. They're still organizing to this day. Uh, I was less than a year old when we moved out of the DC suburbs and into uh, a textile union drive that my dad was organizing and, and he was doing the politics and the communications and uh, with, this is with act two. Uh, and uh, my mom organized the sewing department. And so I was a little infant in the sewing department so way back in the day. And then, uh, and then, you know, you grow up and not everybody does what their parents do, but uh, what really, turned me on to organizing. I had done some stuff in, uh, in high school that I thought was cool. We uh, supported Valerie Irvin when she ran for Board of Education and County Council. That was some political organizing that I did with some friends. And uh, in college, we worked on the Obama campaign. Uh, but the real, the t when I really, the real fire was lit, was uh, I came back to school my senior year and the Sodexo workers on Tulane's campus were trying to form a union with SEIU, the uh, service workers. And there was a student movement organizing with the United Students Against Sweatshops. 
and the workers were going on strike and we had all these meetings and uh, we organized marches and protests and did a sit-in in the university president's office and we had a whole movement and I caught the bug from there and the rest of the history. So now step up Louisiana. Yeah. And I want to acknowledge that as you were starting this organization, it was following the election of Trump, right? Right, right. And at that same time, I was hosting a weekly table call for what I was calling the resistance leadership. And you participated in that as well, where we invited some of these new organizations like the Indivisibles and some of the up, up and coming progressive groups to join us with longstanding organizers and, and groups that have been around for a while so that they could come on and share what they were doing and share best practices and get ideas for how to best do things that some of the new folks really weren't used to doing yet or didn't have any experience doing. And you were really helpful with that. People could come on and listen to you talk about what they needed to do to prepare for a march or speak out or any of those kind of things that they were just learning how to do. So you were really a huge part of training a lot of those folks who are still doing a lot of organizing work across the state. Yeah, I mean, that was a really unique time in like, as far as like a surge of new activists and organizers. And I think that there are those of us who, you know, year round all the time, hold the space, you know, we're there at legislative session, we're there around election time, we're running our own campaigns, you know, in between and building our lists and all that stuff year over year. And then, you know, moments like the Trump election come around or this, uh, you know, this surge in activity around Starbucks or the Fighter 15 or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, people who have been holding the space, you know, you just try to, you know, how do you open the door even wider in those moments and, and, you know, bring as many people in as you can and, you know, tell them what I've learned and learn from them. So I mentioned on the zoom with Maria that you had also partnered with some of the groups back to our continued connection. Um, you've partnered with us on unanimous jury coalition when we were working for constitutional amendment Two. Most recently on that Orleans Parish Sheriff's race, Step Up has been a really great partner for some of those criminal justice reform pieces too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that when we, Maria and I were thinking about Step Up, you know, there are a lot of ways to build organization. You know, so, uh, sometimes people build an organization of leaders, pastors, union leaders, but some people build organizations of organizations. And I think that when Marie and I looked around, there just wasn't, we wanted, we saw that there was a gap in needing more organizations that were building an individual membership base that, you know, could, could actually hold down some independent capacity, not taking from other groups capacity, but like on standing on our own two feet, be able to do some of the election work, like you know, yes on two or the mayor's race or Jason's election or Susan's election, you know, and really just hit the ground and knock the doors and have hold the forums. And then, and really it's like, if you're building an independent membership-based organization, I think of it as like the people who will bring the cooler to the event. You know, you can have a huge list 
where a lot of people show up, but it's like, who's really in there? Who's bringing the cooler with the water? Who's filling that cooler with ice? You know, and I, and I, I think that Step Up is a movement full of people who were like, whatever you need me for. And uh, the electoral stuff has, and the, you know, civic engagement work around election time has been really awesome. Well, I learned in the most recent race we worked on together that you are a whiz with the tools that you use <laughs> for organizing, like a van superstar uh, cutting turf, not only because you know how to use the tool, but also because you know the neighborhoods for the turf that you're cutting. So that was really key. And you knew how to read the data of what was relevant to where you needed to be cutting and who you needed to be pulling. Um, and then I also just wanted to mention, you also were a bit of a Canva expert. So that <laughs> helped as well. But what other tools are integral to the success of Step Up Louisiana? What are you really using that helps move you forward? We've got a good set of digital stuff we use. So we've got, um, we use Action Network to do our, is a, is a set of digital tools that we use, including email. We have a database called Broad Stripes that, uh, that we use as far as like community organizing data and helping us be uh, more effective in our membership and leadership development programs. We use Hustle to do uh, sort of peer-to-peer -peer texting um, we, we use the suite of like Google, I, I mean, uh, sorry, Facebook, like ads and groups and tech there to build online communities, especially, uh, we've learned a lot through our dollar store organizing campaign, meeting workers online and helping them get connected in real life. And so that's, what's fun about starting an organization with Maria, because we're both millennials and fairly tech fluent. And so, you know, taking on a new tool isn't that destabilizing. And, you know, if it helps, then we keep it. And well, it seems like when I was talking to Maria, you've split your roles as the founders of Step Up, where she handles the education reform piece and you handle the economic justice piece. Yeah. I have that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the first things I remember y'all doing was that three point platform Yes. in New Orleans. But I talked a little bit about that with Maria, but uh, I really want to revisit it because that seemed like where you sort of announced your presence with such authority in this city. Thought it was very successful project that you did and you had a lot of success from your efforts doing it. Yeah, I think that it was a make the road by walking situation. You know, I think that we wanted to, you know, run campaigns and have policies that we were fighting about and, you know, get commitments from candidates and all that good stuff. But it, the way that it all turned out ended up being a really successful model. So for folks who don't know, uh, when we launched the economic justice three-point platform. It started with a survey project. So Step Up, Stand With Dignity, our Walmart, and SEIU, Local 21 LA, um, and I think Unite Here, uh, surveyed hundreds of our members who were working you know, front lines in low-wage jobs. 
um, to see what issues were most important to them. And so then we got to a $15 minimum wage, equal pay for equal work for women and ban the box is what we called it at the time. And now we call it fair chance hiring. And uh, so then we did a lot of research and we created research committees and we learned all about what was the current state of those three issues in New Orleans and what are the biggest policies that could help impact it given the state's preemption regime and like what could the council and mayor do to to make an impact like what did they have the authority to do and so then we wrote this uh letter based on that and we got 45 organizations to sign on to this letter and then we had a massive action at City Hall, where I want to say over 30 of those organizations had somebody speak for a minute or so. So it really felt like, like you were saying, like an effective coming out party. There was a lot of orange. We had our hand painted banners, Maria painted the banners, you know, and then we, uh, and then coming out of that, we did these three point platform workshops where we would go into different community spaces. We did one at Propeller, we did one at Justice and Beyond, we did, you know, all around different churches and unions and worker center and different places. And we did these workshops where we were talking about the three points of the platform and got hundreds and hundreds of people involved. And then the election happens and we got commitments from basically everybody running for council and the mayor to adopt three-point platform if elected. And so then after they committed to it and they won their races, we printed their names in the paper. They ran it in anti-gravity and in the gambit. The, at the list of people who committed to adopt the platform. And then uh, we went to the people who were elected and it's like, hey, what do you want to do about this? What are you willing to sponsor? You know, are you still down to support this stuff? And then one by one, like they, we collaborated with them to, to write and pass policy on all three points of the platform. And so now five years later, you know, the, every city contract job in the city has, better wages and fair chance hiring policies and pay transparency policies and, um, you know, more protection from discrimination and the city workers themselves make $15. I mean, it's been an incredible, incredible set of campaigns and project that has led to a lot of change in workers' rights connected to the public dollar uh, here in New Orleans. And I'm listening to you talking about each step of that process and just thinking about the enormous amount of organizing that went into each of those steps organizing and coalition building right 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 i mean the 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 surveys were an organizing project the coalition building around the letter even the research was a participatory action research project you know the the uh, workshops were a great way to build the base and develop leadership we had a goal that we wanted 15 step up members to be equipped to uh, run the workshops. And so then by the end, I was nowhere near running the workshop. I was like doing the side in table or, you know, grabbing lunch or whatever, uh, as the members, you know, led these popular education sessions. And so it was sort of like the leadership development stuff, the base building stuff. It was great. I, we love that campaign. And so that goes back to one of my favorite adages for organizers is organize yourself out of a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Totally. totally. So you effectively did that. You did mention preemption mm-hmm. and we haven't 
defined that for over a year. I think Nama Savage was the mm-hmm. last person to speak about it, which has been over a year on the podcast. So for those who have not heard us from the very start, could you explain the preemption piece and why that was an issue for y'all, a hurdle that you had to deal with to make changes at the city level? Yeah, totally. I mean, even back before Step Up with Fight for 15, like the city of New Orleans tried to raise its own minimum wage in the late 90s uh, by ballot measure. And, you know, we're ultimately uh, uh, challenged and lost at the Supreme Court uh, that saying that no, that the state actually did have the right to preempt the city of New Orleans to uh, raise its own minimum wage. And so preemption is this concept that the state can preempt or, or uh, uh, stop the city from doing what it wants on any number of types of issues, on affordable housing, on gun rights, on dis- LGBT discrimination, or formerly incarcerated people discrimination, or all different kinds of things, housing, uh, you know, and importantly for step up in workers' rights, that sort of the state, you know, has said as part of the constitution that, you know, a local governing authority cannot regulate a private or civil relationship um, unless they get permission to do that by the state. And so then step up works, you know, to try to undo those preemptions. And we had an amazing campaign and coalition that we worked on with labor and the power coalition and the worker center and so many others um, with Royce DePlessis as our bill sponsor and champion uh, Unleash Local was a campaign to repeal the state preemption of minimum wage and paid sick leave. And it was again, another total organizing challenge with, you know, all these, we did a march and second line. I think we had coffins for preemption and, you know, all of these uh, actions and education that we would do within our base and at other, with other organizations so that they could know that like, hey, you know, the only thing standing in the way of, of New Orleans having a $15 minimum wage is the state needing to change one little law that gives us the right to do what we want. Because we had the commitments from the council. They said they would do it. So if the state just let us do what we wanted to do, then, you know, people would make a lot more money here. And uh, I think that was compelling for a lot of uh, the people we were trying to organize. They're like, oh, it's really just something as simple as changing a little state law. Little did we know at the time that changing a state law is really hard. (laughs) We learned a lot about what it takes and who the players are and how to go about doing it and what works since then. Uh, but yeah, that was, I think, four years ago that we ran the Unleash Local campaign. So your way around the preemption issue is to focus on city contracts then, is that? Or things right? connected to public money. So okay. city workers, city contracts. New Orleans has the authority to do what it wants with those, with those dollars. Wanted to hear about that again, because sort of like we were talking about before, I still feel like Step Up and the work you've done, all of those projects you've initiated and the campaigns you've done should be considered models for other organizations in Louisiana, other cities in Louisiana, other cities in the Gulf South. I think there's a lot 
for folks to learn from you. Oh, well, thank you. And we are trying to learn from ourselves as we try to replicate some of what we have accomplished with the three-point platform in New Orleans and step ups other chapters in Baton Rouge. We got a uh, an equal pay commission established that uh, earlier this year that was really exciting and are are working on a, a fair chance in hiring ordinance um, uh, in Baton Rouge as well. And so obviously the politics are a little different in the city parish of East Baton Rouge. And, you know, we're sort of operating and working at that pace and with those folks and learning from what you know, their movements and politics are like. And so are feeling like we're very close there. And then we really just, I'm in Jefferson Parish today, actually. And so that's where we're, uh, uh, our newest chapter is in JP. So you've got three chapters. Do you have your eyes set on locations for future chapters? Let's get Jefferson up off the ground first. I think that what I, another thing that's amazing about working with Maria is that we are so committed to, I think that sometimes organizers, especially national organizers come in, they parachute in and then they leave. And you hope that you have left some amount of capacity or infrastructure or training along the way when you did that, but then you're, you know, when you're gone, you're gone. And I think that we were, have been very clear with Step Up that if we're setting up and we're starting a chapter that we're here to stay and, you know, want to be sure that we're building it the right way and have, a you know, a real base and long-term campaigns and uh, a real organizing strategy for that specific area. And so that's what we're in the office figuring out today here in Jefferson. I love that. Well, you're still a pretty young organization. Mm-hmm. What do you think is your biggest success to date? Biggest success to date? Good question. I think that the political impacts we've been able to make in some of these elections, I mean, I think that, you know, the Jason Williams and Susan Hudson and Mayor Cantrell and Yes On Two, like those those four elections kind of like in a row, like it really felt like we were, you know, a meaningful player in those. I think that's like one set of stuff. And then, I mean, a $15 minimum wage for city workers is, and city contract workers is so amazing. You know, I'm just, I, I, to think that that happened and that we, you know, we were able to cross that bridge and made it happen, you know, got to give it up to, you know, Jared Brissett and, you know, Helena Moreno and everybody who voted for everything and helped push it through because like, it, it's really when we started in, uh, on the Sodexo campaign, this was before Mitch Landry's great place to work initiative. So, so city workers were making 725 wow. in, uh, and so then now that they've, you know, more than doubled their wages, I think, you, you know, we, we, sh we feel good about that. And, you know, I ran into some workers who work for DPW uh, on the Mardi Gras route and they saw me, you know, with my chair, I, I set up for Endemion and they pulled off and they're like, Ben, we got the raise. Like they had a paste up with them and they like pulled it out of their pocket to show me. And they're like, I'm sending my kid to ballet. I mean, like, 
that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. like that people yeah. are really impacted by this stuff. And so feeling very, very good. That's amazing. That. Yeah. You mentioned your action where you had coffins. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've been to actions with you where you created a huge milk carton with John Kennedy's <laughs> yes. face on it. Where is John Kennedy? Like the, the missing kids. Uh, is that your favorite kind of thing to do? The sort of big splash around uh, visibility stuff or what's your favorite event or action to do? You know, I'm, I'm here for the wins. I like the impact. And when direct action can get the goods, then let's do that. You know, it's fun. And we're able to like the, we worked on the unemployment campaign last year and we, and then right in the middle of the pandemic oh, for 2020, 2021, we're still doing a little bit now, but that was, you know, in the heat of the campaign. And so we did a sit-in with over a dozen step-up members and allies, you know, who were unemployed, most folks in front of uh, Kennedy's office on Poyser Street. And people got arrested during the pandemic when, you know, the jails had a lot of COVID and all of this. And it's like, was it my favorite thing? to like risk getting ar arrest and risk getting COVID? No, but like then, you know, Cassidy ended up helping negotiate the deal to extend the $300 federal benefits and the state ended up uh, expanding its uh, uh, maximum, increasing its maximum by $28 a week. So it's like, but that's real, again, like real money in people's real pockets that has real impact on, you know, poverty and inequality and systemic racism and all the things that were, fighting against. So uh, when it works, it's great. One of the things that I thought was really impressive and aspirational that you were doing for a while were the faith and labor breakfasts. Mm -hmm. Was that your brainchild? And how'd you go about putting that together? It's a great connection to make. And I'm just curious if you found that you got benefit from putting those groups in the room together. It's a great reminder, and we should totally get back to it. We, we stopped during the pandemic, but uh, I was taught by Martine Rafnan from Jobs with Justice in Missouri, in St. Louis. Martine built out these incredible Faith Labor Alliance groups that were groups of faith leaders and labor leaders who were supportive of workers. It wasn't political. It wasn't, you know, there are a lot of places where we can agree or disagree about you know, a lot of different things, but we all knew that we wanted to support workers and policies that supported workers. And, you know, when workers were, you know, in organizing and bosses were retaliating that there would be this group of, you know, faith and labor institutions who had their back. And, and I saw this in action in St. Louis in a massive way. I helped organize the um, uh, Trump-Hillary uh, debate protest at WashU and a massive civil disobedience there. And so I was, you know, we did our announcements at the Faith Labor, and this was just something that they had baked into the movement in St. Louis, you know, a monthly breakfast with hundred people. And, you know, I was like, this is incredible. You know, we should do this here. And so then we started having these breakfasts in New Orleans and it gained some momentum and then things got kind of political, you know, so <laughs> and then, but then, you know, people were, were really into it. And then the pandemic happened and we kind of stayed away from, you know, eating meals in person with folks. We need to get back to that. You know, I think that uh, that was a valuable space and, and Martine gets all the credit. He, 
I, I saw him do it in action. And then he trained me over the phone as we were putting them together. in That's wonderful. I love that when you can get ideas from other organizations elsewhere in the country. Yeah. And, and that's the great reason to make those connections mm-hmm. all across network, all, all across the nation. Did you get benefit? Do you think from those breakfasts? Yeah, I think that it, honestly, the, the, there are some labor leaders that were quite religious that I didn't know. Right. And so then them talking about how their faith calls them to the labor movement. So connected with me and how my, my family always approached religion. I'm Jewish and, and we just, you know, got through Passover. And so then my dad every year and mom and brothers and everybody in our family would do a labor Seder, basically, where we would talk about the liberation story over Passover, but connect it to, you know, workers and current events and, you know, social justice and racial justice. And they're still doing, they, they had a labor Seder. We had a social justice Seder this year at our house. And so that's always been, when I think of my religion and, you know, belief in God and religious community, I often think about, you know, justice. And so there are a lot of labor leaders who felt the same way about their connection to the religion. And on at the same, on the others, you know, like, like Reverend Melanie, I don't know if you've heard her tell her story, but, you know, her father was a union leader, and then she is a Unitarian minister. So she's very connected from the labor movement, you know, as part of how she became a faith leader. Oh, wow. And, uh, and other, you know, faith leaders also had their own personal stories about, you know, how they've been connected to workers and movements, and they know who sits in the pews, like they know who their congregants are and who they're serving. And, and, you know, when those people are in struggle. So I thought that just that those two intersections there were uh, really interesting. Well, it's fascinating to me to hear you say that, because it's, my faith is why I think I'm a Democrat and my parents who are not uh, have occasionally asked me, you know, how to, how did you become a Democrat? And I'm like, well, y'all raised me to be a Christian. I feel like that's part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting conversation. What organizations do you partner with most closely on your economic justice work? Oh, we partner with so many great groups, man. Now I'm, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not going to be able to list them all, but okay. there's, but it's a great, there are so many organizations in Louisiana who really care about these issues. And even if it's not the middle of their lane, like when step ups members are saying that like the minimum wage is important and it's important to your group because, you know, a faith organization or, you know, a community group that, power coalition and vote and, you know, so many different unions and, you know, all the groups I mentioned that we partnered with on the, in this housing work that we've never done before and really on and on and on and on, you know, that, like I said, the 45 groups that signed on to our big point platform and, and just some accountabilities under the Louisiana progress, the groups that help us write the policies, you know, the groups that help us figure out how to, you know, like Julie Schwarm Harris and, you know, IWO and law, you know, taught us everything we know about equal pay and how to campaign for it and how to lobby at all. Like Julie showed me how to lobby the first time that we were, it was a five for 15 action in uh, 2015, I want to say. 
this was before when Latoya was still on the council and we, and then we were doing a rally at on city hall steps. And I was like, Hey, well, I invited the council to come to the rally, but I, you know, I didn't, we didn't get the commitments or whatever. She was like, come with me. And so then me and Julie and some uh, fast food workers went to the railing like you do at a city council meeting. And she one by one called them over and me and the worker like explained what was going on with the protests and that we were going to be out there in half an hour and could they come and join us and everybody came nadine ramsey and latoya and jason and the whole council like came out and, that's amazing know, and spoke you know right from the from city hall steps but i was like oh so that's how you do it is you do whatever julie says and i have done that ever since <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, Maria mentioned the tiers of leadership you have in your membership. Mm -hmm. You all, you have, you have paid staff, but you also have a lot of member volunteers. Yes. What are the steps that you require to advance as a volunteer to a leadership position? And, and let me just add on to that. Is that also how you find staff members is it do you kind of graduate from volunteer to staff in step up um you know that is how it has happened (laughs) there have definitely been folks who have come up through the the membership and become staff but i mean for a long time we didn't have any staff so it's just like the idea of you're like and then you graduate to become a staff person i'm like we have staff. I guess we do now. And, you know, I love the staff at Step Up. But for years, it was me and Maria and we were part time. And, you know, and so it feels good to be able to say that. But anyway, so then to become basically the, the baseline is to become a member of Step Up. And so member means you pay dues 15 a month or at least one time, whenever you can afford to pay. You have your contact information. You live in Louisiana and you throw down when you can. And then the next step is member leader. So you do actions, you're very involved, you complete assignments, you know how to share your story and you're knowledgeable and confident about speaking about the organization and um, you've completed some sort of member leader orientation that we do periodically. And then uh, you can then become a member organizer. It's a little harder. You need to have brought in at least two people uh, and have facilitated at least two meetings so and then you need to be reliable you know and and communicative and can you know help us organize a successful event and so then those are the three sort of check boxes needed to become a member organizer and when we think about step up it's not like i was doing this in the the zoom as far as like (laughs) like a ladder but we think of it more as like a target and sort of like the member organizers and the staff and the board are sort of at the center of the target. And then, you know, it's the, it's the role of the center of the organization to bring, you know, other, you know, the general public and our supporters and our members and member leaders like closer and closer to the center. That's wonderful. What kind of training do you offer your members? So we do this member leader orientation. We do organizing trainings is sort of my bread and butter. We are uh, working on our membership canvas today. And uh, I've realized, so I've been canvassing every election cycle since I was 16. And so I was like, that's a lot of years canvassing. And I was like, how many people have I trained to canvas? 
you know, it's like over a thousand probably over the years. And so, so, you know, training canvassers to like be on the doors and have those conversations. I know that's the type of field work you like really, you know, care about and having volunteers to be able to do that. We train people how to do labor organizing. How do you talk to your coworkers? How do you talk to, uh, you know, other people at other stores about the movement that you're trying to build your store. We train people on how to do community organizing, coalition building, meeting facilitation. And uh, we have kind of our method, you know, uh, I'm sure other folks have heard of this, but I do, we do, you do. So it's like, yeah, I, I, Ben will do, let's say it's facilitate a meeting, right? So I'll facilitate a meeting and the person who is trying to learn how to facilitate will like watch me and take notes. And then we'll do it together in the next meeting and we debrief, obviously we debrief each set and then, then they do it the third time and then, you know, then they're good to go. And so, uh, and then, and then there's another sort of trick called prep, do debrief on any type of new type of thing you want to do. Let's say it's um, speak at a, a council meeting, right? You prepare to speak at the council meeting, you do your testimony and then you debrief you know, uh, how it went. And then if you prepare and do an activity and debrief enough times, you'll get better at it. If you're really honest with the debriefs and, you know, are willing to take feedback and, you know, work on it. And so I think that there's that, those, the, I do, we do, you do, and prep do debrief that like kind of exist in the always of step up membership, member leader development. And then there's kind of the the more formal and group trainings, both organizing trainings and political education trainings, where I didn't even really talk about, which is sort of like understanding, you know, uh, your, uh, what happens in the legislature, legislature and how it works, or, you know, uh, what are the different options around Medicare for all, and what are these different people saying, and how to think about it, or, uh, you know, different types of political education that we do with our base around the issues that we work on. That is such an empowering system, Ben. That's so impressive. Uh, Maria mentioned RDG. Tell me about yes. that. So Step Up has a membership model that, I, that when we would be talking to the staff and the member organizers about the membership, they'd be like, and then sometimes people don't stick around would be sort of like the their number one gripe when I see step up and I want, you know, I want the membership to grow. I'm an organizer. I know that, you know, you know, not everybody stays forever and that's okay. But you know, that especially for people who are newer to it, you know, you get very upset when folks leave. And so then we're like, how can you quantify R, which means retention? Like how can, like, what are some activities you can do around retention, you know, uh, supporting members when they're in crisis you know, it's financial crisis or if they're sick or experiencing loss, you know, like what, what is our protocol? Like, how do we do that as an organization? Mutual aid obviously is something that um, during Hurricane Ida, we took very seriously. And during the pandemic, we learned a lot about uh, and had it and are, you know, always trying to get better and learning more and doing that. And then, like you mentioned, I try to bring joy into organizing a lot. And so we felt like supporting members in crisis, um, uh, mutual aid and joy, and then Maria works on our healing justice work. So that those are sort of the different categories of how we decided to approach retention. D for development, which I just talked about, you know, the tiers of leadership and political and, uh, 
uh, organizing training and then G for growth. And there's no magic bullet to growth. I, right, right now, what we're working on is our internal membership drive. And so we're having a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, a staff person or member organizer is having a one-on-one -on -one with each one of our 232 members and then uh, having you know, a structured conversation where we're trying to get referrals. And then we're doing a member recruitment event in each chapter at least once a month. And so that is you know, growing our base by 15, 20 people a month and uh, trying to do our best there. And then what is launching in Jefferson Parish today is a membership canvas. We're doing a pilot program in partnership with uh, our national network, the Center for Popular Democracy. They're helping us with the training um, uh, so that we can, our members can be, our canvassers and our members and our staff can go out and door to door and you know, build a base. So that's our approach, RDG, retention, development, growth. Do you have other national organizations you work with? You just mentioned the Center for Popular Democracy. Yes, so CPD and CPD Action, um, uh, the Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools, the Journey for Justice Alliance, the Network for Public Education, and uh, the Always Essential Table. I think those are the main ones. But yeah, we like, we like, because sometimes you want to win nationally, you know, we're only one state organization. So if we're thinking about the unemployment campaign, for instance, like we needed the federal government to provide, you know, to extend the benefits. And so then we worked with unemployed workers across the country and people who really understand how to get things done, you know, at the Capitol in Washington. And just same, the same way we do at the state level, you know work with Louisianans for Prison Alternatives or the Power Coalition or the state AFL-CIO to try to move state policy. We started our conversation talking about awards and Step Up gives awards as well. Yes. In conjunction with an annual event that y'all do, I think. Yes. Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. We love our annual gala or our hope we try to be annual gala <laughs> because we like a good party. We like to celebrate what we've done in the year. And we try to uh, give five awards. So one elected official to either partner organizations or campaigns and then two members. Uh, you know, it's just a really great way to, you know, lift up the you know, really great work similar to what you're doing with the organizer of a month awards, you know, of stuff that's happening in our community. So when Unite Here organized the uh, Hilton Riverside, they won an award. And um, when Yes on Two, uh, you know, had one that we, y'all, we won an award. I guess we kind of gave that one to ourselves too, because we were part of it. But uh, yeah, those, you know, di different things over the years. And then our, you know, some of our members are just such powerhouses in our organization and across the state that we want to be sure they get recognized too. Are you looking at moving any of your members into potentially running for office? That's interesting. I think that we don't have like a specific person in mind or that have that track. I think that is something that, you know, uh, we have had folks participate in the She Leads Fellowship um, that Power Coalition does. And I feel like that is a sort of, you know, can be a preparation for leadership either in elected office or otherwise, you know, we're 
we have at different stages been connected with the merge and trying to be sure that, you know, the women in our organization are able to, but I think that it is a place where, you know, as a state, we could grow and, and as an organization to have more of a strategy around having, you know, members run for office. We've had a couple of members run and uh, Matt Willard is, is a member and he's elected. And so, uh, but yeah, we're, we're, we're down to try to figure out what co-governance and member leadership, you know, up to the elected level could look like. Tell me about your candidate forums. Oh, I love our candidate forums. This is one of the best things to come out of the three point platform. Honestly, it's like our organization's commitment to like packing the room and having directly impacted people, asking people running for office questions, you know, that, you know, wanting public commitments on the issues that it's not like we're just going to bring up at the forum and then never talk about again. Like we bring it up at the forum and then we come back to you and it's like, hey, you know, you said you were for a workers bill of rights. Let's do this thing. You know, like th these are the ways that we need you to support a workers bill of rights. So this is the, these are the different ways we need you to support a $15 minimum wage or better school transportation or sustainable community schools or whatever the issues are. So we basically invite the candidates, invite the community. Sometimes we'll do a couple of uh, like districts at a time because you don't want to do all every district, you know, it's a lot of forums, but we did do that uh, or we did most of them, I guess, for the city council. And so we have some like partners in different parts of town. So in district E we go and then, you know, in the East, we go to a case closed barbershop. We did a forum there and, you know, we went back and did a vaccine event there. And, you know, we are going to probably do a workers bill of rights, uh, people's movement assembly there, if they'll have us. So, you know, trying to build that sort of overtime rapport with the, you know, faith and community institutions that, you know, have their own built-in networks where, you know, oh, Step Up is coming and doing another event at this church. At, uh, we, we've done a few at Broadmoor Community Church in district B and so stuff like that. And then our office in New Orleans is at Corpus Christi. But yeah, I mean, all across the state, we try to do not, not just in New Orleans. I mean, Baton Rouge, we do candidate forms also. It's good. And you have both a C3 and a C4 arm yes, of Step Up that's, that's Louisiana. Right. So the C4 actually will endorse candidates, right? Yes. And the C4 is who does the forums. What sort of support do you give candidates who get your endorsement? We knock on doors. We, they can use our logo for their literature. We communicate with our base. We've done some mailers. We, you know, have learned a lot about how to, you know, use sophisticated targeting and, uh, you know, persuasion versus get out the vote messages and you know, door knockers and all, you know, all the different sort of strategies around how to run a field campaign. And so uh, we try to bring all of that to bear either through an independent expenditure or, you know, coordinating with the candidate, just depending on, you know, what resources are like. But uh, yeah, we have definitely thrown down for some candidates and made an impact and have been really, really pleased with some of the results. So Ben, you do have membership dues that people pay, but I mm -hmm. believe you also take donations to help fund some of the work you're doing. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Have you 
found fundraising to be something that you take to pretty well? My parents are organizers and my grandmother was the executive director of the National Commission on Working Women. And so when she heard that I was going to start an economic justice and education justice nonprofit, her uh, National Commission on Working Women was about like uh, a number of things, but including like breaking the glass ceiling in different professions um, uh, and using kind of culture and television to be able to break down those stereotypes. So my Baba shout out. And so she got me a grant writing book and I read this book and I was like, this is hard. And then <laughs> uh, folks who organize with me know that every year for, I don't know, for the last 10 plus years, I pick one thing that I try to get better at every year. And so fundraising was the one thing that I took two years to try to learn. <laughs> you know, I'll take every training and read every book and talk to every coach and network to everybody to try to figure out how to do the things that we need to do you know, at step up to be able to, uh, you know, build power for our community. And so Sheena Brown and Ashley Shelton and, you know, a number of others, you know, really taught us how to, me and Maria, about how to structure the fundraising work and, you know, reach out to funders and grow our movement. So I, you know, surrounded by powerful, amazing Black women who, you know, really see the vision that you know, Step Up has has put out and wanted to support. Well, we've talked a lot about your C four work, but you really spend a lot more time in the five hundred one C three nonprofit space, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, a couple of your big projects in the last couple of years has been on COVID, and you mentioned right. the Hurricane Ida mm-hmm. mutual aid stuff. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about the work y'all have done in those spaces? Yeah, uh, after Hurricane Ida, we, you know, rang the bell to try to, you know, raise as much as we could to be able to support our community. And so we, you know, did a lot of direct relief in terms of grant dollars out and did, uh, we set up uh, food distribution sites in New Orleans every day for weeks and in Laplace and in Baton Rouge. And we got ice and, you know, uh, you know, generators to people who needed them and tarps and food. And we were grilling out and people, you know, it's the, the post Ida recovery stuff, as I'm sure a lot of folks who, you know, did the work post Katrina, a little before my time, but you know, the folks who did the work, you know, post Katrina will say, you know, it, it's both really hard, you know, and, and exhausting and, you know, draining to see the, the hard situations that people are in, but, uh, you know, really gratifying to be able to actually like make an impact. I mean, there were some days where we would just have pallet after pallet of water, or ice, you know, having, you know, people who, who did have the means to go and be somewhere in air conditioning and, Tennessee if they wanted to but instead like we're doing truckloads of of water you know going to Costco getting another pallet coming back to our office another pallet you know I I just you know was so impressed by the way that the community stepped up and you know people who chose to come back to be able to help even when they didn't have power or anything themselves so the Ida relief was really special and super challenging and exhausting 
uh, and we did most, yeah. So that, that was that. And then uh, for the vaccine outreach and stuff, we did a lot of education in our base about the vaccine and about COVID and, you know, what that meant. And we did a lot of mass distribution. We partnered with Mass for America, but the big project we've been doing uh, that just wrapped mid-April uh, since last fall was the Get Out the Vax program. So as part of the American Rescue Plan, uh, a number of groups that do get out the vote work uh, were funded to sort of use our skills or expertise in how we do targeting and getting out the vote to uh, get out the vax. And we knocked on uh, tens of thousands of doors and had you know, a lot of conversations with folks about their thoughts about the vaccine and did 14 vaccine events in New Orleans and Jefferson Parish. So that just wrapped a couple of weeks ago, but it was a huge undertaking. It was our first federal grant and uh, are excited to, you know, do more of that type of work, you know, uh, about like, yes, obviously we do the civic engagement work and educating voters around election time, but, you know, because we've been doing that year over year, you know, and, you know, 40,000, 50,000 doors in a cycle, like that is a, that is a, a muscle that we have now learned that I'm sure can help a lot of different things that'll, you know, help our community when it comes to outreach and conversations and the type of organizing that you and I both know works. What's your next big project? Dollar stores. Step Up has been organizing with workers and customers at dollar stores for the last four years we've been you know building the committee learning a lot about the corporations doing some research and we are headed to the shareholder meeting on may 25th and to protest because workers deserve more workers deserve to have you know safe stores safety from physical violence there was a rat infestation at the uh, family dollar distribution center in Memphis. They had to close 400 stores. Like we want to be sure that our, the products that are moving in our communities are safe. They disproportionately put these dollar stores in poor neighborhoods and black neighborhoods across our state. And, you know, Louisiana has more, uh, you know, as many dollar stores per capita as anywhere else. And, um, so we're, and the workers, you know, who are working with us have been, you know, building and are really excited about unleashing their power at the shareholder meeting this spring and to keep the momentum going. That's the next big campaign. How can people plug into the work you're doing? If folks want to get involved, you can come to stepuplouisiana.org slash join and you can hop right on in to the membership or you can email us at info at stepuplouisiana.org, or you can call us at 504-322-4663. So email, phone, website. We are on the social medias. So you can follow us on Twitter. I do tweet at, at stepupla or uh, at stepuplouisiana on Instagram or uh, facebook.com slash step up LA on Facebook. And so that's how uh, you plug in. And we've got, you know, always a lot of stuff going on on the education side with our schools. We have chapter meetings in all three of our chapters. 
And so excited about where step up is now and, and where we could be, but in order to build the power that we need to actually win in our state needs you needs people needs, you know, hundreds and thousands of members to be able to like actually change what's going on. Lots of ways to plug in. Then last three questions. What's the biggest hurdle for progressive change in Louisiana? I, uh, I think that like, we're just not organized as uh, to the scale that we need to be there. There were a set of legacy organizations, ACORN, United Teachers of New Orleans, SEIU, you know, some of the legacy civil rights organizations that, that played such a foundational role in the, in the movement here and, you know, time and, turnover and Katrina and intentional disruption and right to work and, you know, racism and targeting and mass incarceration, you know, all kind of hurt our movement over the last generation. And so then now there are a new set of folks who are stepping up for lack of a better word and, you know, trying to organize and so I'm sort of inspired, but I think that it is that that the biggest hurdle is the number of people who are involved and and you know rebuilding from uh, you know some of the intentional takedowns of our movement infrastructure. And what do you see as the biggest opportunity? Um, biggest opportunity is that there are a lot of people who don't get talked to very often, and like we're gonna be canvassing in Jefferson Parish. And, you know, I, we're happy to be doing this organizing, but there could be 10, you know, other groups organizing, doing community organizing in Jefferson Parish around a number of different issues that I'm sure that there's, you know, thousands and tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who, you know, care about. So I think that opportunity-wise, there's a lot of folks who could plug in. I think that um, statewide, there are a lot of different, um, communities who are, have been uh, engaged in the fight around elections and um, that has been great. And so then, you know, trying to plug those folks in year round. And Ben, who's your favorite superhero? Superhero, oh man, that's a hard one. Who is my favorite superhero? Am I a superhero person? Oh, Maria said Ella Baker. So, oh, okay. So other people, not like I don't have to pick like uh, you can make it like Ant Ant Man or there's no rule. <laughs> there's no rule. I say organizers are superheroes all the time. So whatever your interpretation of of that is, I like I like the person who joins our movements today and gets up off the couch and you know starts fighting for a better world. That person is my favorite superhero. I well, I like it because that can be a lot of a lot of people, and you're challenging people to <laughs> to be your superhero. So thank you so much for joining me. It always makes me hopeful to speak to you. Like I said, you bring joy to organizing. So it's always a joyful moment for me when we can work together and when we can have a conversation. Thanks, Linda. Thank you for listening to Louisiana Lefty. Please follow us on your favorite podcast platform. 
Thank you to Ben Collinsworth for producing Louisiana Lefty, Jen Pack of Black Cat Studios for our Super Lefty artwork, and Thousand Dollar Car for allowing us to use their Swamp Pop Classic Security Guard as our Louisiana Lefty theme song. <laughs>